Welcome back to the Star Wars Universe podcast. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Star Wars did a heist movie? What about if Star Wars did a prison movie? And what about if the Jedi found even more ways to drive Anakin right into the arms of Chancellor Palpatine? We'll be talking about all of that as we look at episodes 15, 16, 17, and 18 of The Clone Wars Season 4. Right after a commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. As always, when we're talking about the Clone Wars, I'm joined by Riki and Sarah Hayashi. How are you folks doing tonight? Hey, we're doing good. I'm excited. This is a better origin story for Darth Vader than Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. And through the wonders of timing, we, we find out only about halfway through this arc that we're kind of getting an origin story for Cad Bane, or at least for the most important part of Cad Bane, Cad Bane's hat. Oh, so <laughs> I just, I put a note in, it's not the origin of Cad Bane's hat. He just likes hats. Does he? Okay. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I this, is one of those t- this is one of those times where I was watching these episodes going, these are so good. I'm so confused about where it falls in the timeline, and I wish it was a little clearer. Yeah, when you when I was reading over the notes, I saw that, and I was like, is it earlier? But no, it looks like most of season four is just, like, all chronologically Okay, one well, that's thing. good, at least. Yeah. So yeah, let's because give a... bo- both Cad Bane and Boba Fett are in prison mm-hmm. in this one. Oh, yeah, we, that's we, right. We've okay. seen them both get captured in the past. They just don't let him have a sweet hat in prison, tragically. Okay, so that's Doesn't, not the hat. It's just he wearing gloves. It's just his a hats. hat, yeah. Doesn't come in orange. There, oh, that's true. That's true. All right, so let's give a quick plot summary. As always, um, if you've seen these episodes and you want to listen along with us, great. But also, if you haven't seen the episodes and you just rather kind of listen to us talk about it than watch all the way through, totally fine, too. So um, the core of these episodes is that the Jedi know that this, you know, secret plan is happening with this guy named Moralo, uh, Morolo Ival. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He certainly it's... likes to talk about himself in the third person, <laughs> saying yeah. his name quite often, which, you know, hey, that's a choice. Maybe I should do that more often, too. And some great plot is happening with him, and the Jedi have to find a way to infiltrate him. And the only way to do this is for Obi-Wan Kenobi to be dead and then Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's actually not dead, psych, to impersonate a bounty hunter. And that way everyone will be like, oh, my God, this bounty hunter killed Obi-Wan. He's got so much street cred. And then he'll get in with the criminals and get to figure out the whole plan and foil the plan. And essential to this plan is that Anakin can't know that Obi-Wan is dead because Anakin's reaction will be a big part of what sells it that this is really happening. So they all do all this. Obi-Wan goes under pr- uh, into prison, underground. We basically get, you know, Jedi Oz. And Anakin, ha- uh, Obi-Wan has some adventures in prison. He falls in with the right people. It turns out that um, Moralo Aval is not the only one in prison of that group. Cad Bane is also there. Cad Bane and Anakin, who's now in the uh, the cover of Hardeen, the bounty hunter who in theory killed Obi-Wan because he was bored, which is like just, I mean, the guy's just Johnny Cash all over the place. Like, <laughs> shot he you know he killed a jedi in reno basically it's kind of beautiful um but anyway with cad bane's help they all break out there's lots of tension between him and cad bane bicker 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 it's great cad bane gets a hat and (laughs) we eventually get to meet up with count dooku and count dooku has brought together all of the best bounty hunters from all over the land to have a contest and the contest is all about if you can survive the contest because people die in it um, then you get to be part of this mission that Count Dooku is going on. And we'll talk about that recruitment pitch in a second. <laughs> um, the the box happens, the the great, all the challenges. At first, everyone thinks that, you know, uh, Cad Bane and Hardeen are, are working against each other, but Cad Bane eventually helps Hardeen. Uh, Aval shows that he's kind of an idiot, nowhere near as good as he had claimed to Count Dooku. So Count Dooku is like, eh, Eval, you're not really my guy. You can be part of the team, but I'm making Hardeen and Cad Bane the leaders of it. And we find out that the whole point of this mission is to try to capture Counselor, uh, Chancellor Palpatine. So we have kind of a heist movie. They all work together to try to um, take the Chancellor. Uh, Obi-Wan at some point switches sides. They foil the plot. 
and then eventually realized that there was always this backup plan, or maybe it's the original plan, to get Anakin and the Chancellor and Dooku alone so that Dooku can once again try to rescue the chance to steal the Chancellor, to kidnap the Chancellor. They fight, Dooku kind of wins, but it's not really clear, but Dooku's getting away with Palpatine. When Obi-Wan comes back, Obi-Wan rescues Palpatine, and Dooku gets to say some final things about Obi-Wan, at least you're a great uh, opponent, unlike Anakin. All this time, Anakin has been figuring out that all these things were happening that he didn't know about, and getting more and more angry and more and more upset that the Council doesn't trust him, with Palpatine sort of you know, smiling and going, oh, poor Anakin, I can't believe, and just beautifully needling him along the whole time. And Curtin. Did I capture all the important parts? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a fun, super fun heist. We've got, mm-hmm. We got a lot of, like, I, one of my favorite things about this arc is that, like, we don't, we don't get too many details about what the plan is. Right. Um, which leaves it super open to interpretation. Um, so, like, I, I like to think that the original idea of kidnapping Sidious, kidnapping Palpatine, was, like, Sidious's idea all along. And then there was just these, like, gravy bits of the Jedi came up with this plan of faking Obi-Wan's death uh, to infiltrate. And he is like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then uh, found out that they're not telling Anakin about it. and was also like, super cool. This is great. <laughs> right. And just, like, started puppet stringing from there. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- this is, I mean, they don't explicitly say it, but this is Sidious's plan because he executes it again at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, right. where he is captured and Dooku and Anakin fight it out on board the, the ship. Right. Clearly, the whole point is to eventually, A, it's to keep sowing this doubt and mistrust within Anakin, and also to eventually lead to... You know, the where Anakin can prove that he's an even better apprentice from Dooku and Sith style sort of take over that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think the so, Ricky, are you saying you think that like the whole thing is Sidious's plan or just the like kidnapping plot is Sidious's plan? Well, that is the whole thing. I don't know what else. Or sorry, the like the, the death faking part as well. Oh, no, I mean, that's just Jedi nonsense. Yeah, OK, cool. Yeah. I, I think he just trusts that the Jedi will do something stupid to yeah. leave Anakin out of it and cause Anakin to feel. Well, I don't even know if like the leaving Anakin out of it part of it. So like in the we see originally like it's just Mace, Yoda and Obi-Wan who are hatching this plan that like Obi-Wan's going to fake his death and then assume the identity of the dude that killed him who the Jedi they paid the Jedi put out the hit on Obi-Wan. Yes. Uh, so like, meh. Um, and like assume his identity, infiltrate the prison, get close to moral evil. Oh, I mean, sorry, moralo evil. Uh, <laughs> and then like foil the kidnapping plot from in there. Um, but we can't tell Anakin. And I think like the idea, the, the basis behind not telling Anakin is Obi-Wan thinks that like Anakin's super emotional. Uh, right. And if, Anakin believes that Obi-Wan has died. He's going to have an emotional reaction that's going to sell both uh, the assassin and Dooku. Um, right. But if we tell Anakin, he probably won't have this reaction, which will probably tip people off. He'll do bad acting, yeah. which we saw in the last arc when he tries to like seduce the, yeah. the, queen. <laughs> the queen of yeah. the slavers. So, so like, He's like, oh, we don't want Anakin to act. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Jedi reasoning in terms of selling the plan makes total sense. It's just that how can you not realize how pissed he's going to be? And, oh, and this is yeah, just a 100%. recurring theme of like Mace Windu pushes Anakin straight in. Like, I think you could make an argument that Mace Windu was a Sith Lord himself because he does so much to push Anakin down that road. And granted, mm-hmm. he clearly isn't. He's one of those like, thank God we actually get this. Someone who's a, an unwilling, unwitting ally of the Sith. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad that it, it... I don't want him to be a Sith Lord. I want it to be that he just is so egotistical and arrogant and sure of himself that it never occurs to him what he's doing to Anakin. But I love how this episode, these episodes portray that. You see him getting upset that they don't trust him. And, and just the look on Obi-Wan's face as he realizes, is like, oh, we screwed yeah. up. This is well, real bad. We didn't it, think about this. Yeah, and it was, it was Obi-Wan's idea to like withhold this mm-hmm. from Anakin and Anakin 
uh, at the end has a confrontation with Obi-Wan. And I think, like, Anakin sort of almost expects it from Yoda and Mace. Like, right. he knows that Mace Window just hates him. Like, straight up does not like him. And he knows that Yoda is, like, unsure of him. So if, like, this was their plan and they were like, we can't tell Anakin, I think he would be upset but not surprised. But, like, hearing that it was Obi-Wan's idea, right, who's supposed to have Anakin's back, right. is just, like, sticking the knife in. Because it's saying, like, well, I played you and I don't trust you. So, mm-hmm. sorry. And so much of this is about Anakin's attachments. Because it's both, he is so attached to Obi-Wan that he has this emotional reaction, which is what a Jedi isn't supposed to have. Mm-hmm. But also... You know, in theory, if you're not attached, then you can't be betrayed by someone because you don't have those personal feelings of like this person I trusted, I cared about. They shouldn't have done this to me. Mm-hmm. It's because Anakin is so attached to Obi-Wan that he has these feelings. And it's the utter – I mean, I think it's it's brilliant writing because that's the whole point. But just the utter blindness of the Jedi to what this is doing to Anakin is, I think, really well displayed here. And I think, Ricky, you said it right. This tells that story better than the, the third clone movie did, the third prequel movie did. I would just like to say that, yeah, in addition to taking the bits of Revenge of the Sith and, and in my opinion, improving on them, mm-hmm. this was also just face-off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they, they give Obi-Wan the bounty hunter's face and voice right. and then send him to prison undercover where he starts a fight to to prove that he's actually the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I just wish that we had had a scene of Yoda saying, like you know, take his face off, shall we, or something <laughs> in whatever Yoda grammar. No, I didn't check the credits. Was that the actor who plays Obi Wan just doing a different voice, or was it a totally oh, different no. voice actor? Is is a different actor. But okay. he did a great job that. of like distinguishing, I think Obi Wan playing Hardeen versus Obi Wan with Hardeen's voice talking to. Like Mace and Yoda when he's doing his check-ins and stuff like that. Yeah, you could definitely tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just and like... As the great Nicolas Cage also portrayed. <laughs> excellent. I haven't seen Face Off, oh. I must confess. I, I, I will also say I've not yet seen Face Off. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, the way... <laughs> think of the way that this plot is ridiculous, right? Like the whole yeah. face reconstruction thing. Like, is that really going to work? And then just like multiply that by ten and imagine Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage. Okay, I can see that. And, and see then that. Um, John Tra- <laughs> John Travolta is there. He's okay, and like he pretends mm-hmm. to be Nicolas Cage, right? Because they switched. Right. It's it's a fine movie. <laughs> I think one thing I really liked as well is that a Yoda clearly seems to just have lost all patience with Anakin. Like he's mm-hmm. being pretty strict about him. But there's one line where he says. Um, if you it, basically where Anakin wants to go rush off and save Obi-Wan and he says if you leave that you might be able to save Obi-Wan but that you might ruin what he's done and I the language he uses almost exactly mirrors what Yoda will later tell Luke that if you go to Bespin Cloud City you might save your friends but you'll ruin all that they have worked for you know all that they have fought and sacrificed for and I just thought that was clearly a, an intentional callback, and it was a really nice one of showing, like, not only, like, the similarity between Anakin and Luke, but why, by the time it gets to Luke, Yoda is both so frustrated but also so afraid because he's seen this before. Like, not only do I feel like these scenes help me to better understand the prequels, they give so much context for the, the original movies in those regards, at least especially with Anakin and Yoda. Yeah, we also get a fun callback. Um, to Empire Strikes Back, with like the, the deal's been changed. Um, oh which yeah, obviously that's right. doesn't have like nearly as much emotional weight, but it is fun to have. I think a callback to the original trilogy beyond just like the wacky plan, which is sort of baked into the Star Wars history. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about Yoda, you mentioned this a while back when we were. I don't even know what episode it was, but we saw Yoda in his office and because of the Venetian blinds, there were these stripes of like light and and dark throughout the room. And we see it again here. Uh, And I think like, like I didn't notice it at all the first time, but because you'd mentioned it, Mm -hmm. I noticed it this time. And I was like, yeah, like we are really 
treading that fine line between light side and dark side here. Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole thing by the Jedi is a pretty dark path. Um, One thing I was noticing was how many people, and I mean, some of them are criminals, but some of them are just like prison guards or citizens, get killed because Obi-Wan goes along with his plan. Like, Obi-Wan helps to break them out of prison, and prison guards die as part of that attempt. Obi-Wan never kills them himself. And Obi-Wan helps to put this plot in motion. And when, I mean, it's better to catch them this way, but it, you know, in every kind of movie about uh, a cop who goes undercover, there's always a moment of like, what happens when the cop is actually now part of getting people killed and the cop isn't stopping it? Because in theory, they can like arrest them in a better way. But now like people are dead and, you know, like, they stopped this plan, but they probably could have stopped it by just Obi-Wan telling them and the plan never happening. Maybe you don't catch the guys, but it it just seemed like I, I can understand why they're doing it, but it seems like some very morally gray decision-making that Obi-Wan and the Jedi are making that's very much not, in theory, what the Jedi are supposed to be about. Yeah, and we definitely see, like, there's a really big moment at the end of this prison break where uh, Hard... Not, um, not Hardeen. Obi-Wan is Hardeen. Cad Bane and Yval are, like, sh- shooting a bunch of the, the clone guards. And mm-hmm. it's basically Obi-Wan's turn. He has a clear shot. And he hesitates because Obi-Wan doesn't want to just shoot a clone. Um, right. And the clone ends up, like, sounding the alarm. I think one of the others shoots him anyway. Um, and then Cad Bane starts questioning him about it. And I think, like, this idea that, like, Obi-Wan deep down, like... <laughs> isn't an assassin um and like he can he can go in there and he can fake it and he can make up his stories and try and like talk the talk and walk the walk but he's he's not that guy he's morally uncomfortable with this and cad bane definitely sees that and is suspicious of him through this this whole arc it seems um Mm -hmm. up until the point where like we find out that um obi-wan slash hardeen uh has been bugged and right. like it's implied that this is how Dooku finds out about the the ant- planned ambush, but like it, it's probably more likely that Palpatine told him. But to have Obi Wan think that this is how he found out is also like fine and dandy. Right. But yeah. I just want to point out mm. that the best way to stop this assassination plot mm-hmm. is just to keep uh, Evil in prison. It's a a kid. I mean, that's my whole point is if the point is just to stop the plot, then yeah, just keep him in prison. I think the the idea is supposed to be that Aval might lead them to Dooku and lead them to Grievous. And so it's a kind of, you know, it's that classic like cop movie go undercover. But, you know, in like in a lot of those movies, you know, it's how many moral lines are you allowed to cross? And in in the first episode, when when they're all like chatting, they seem to imply that like his plan has already been set in motion. So even though he's in prison, like the plan is already going forward. I think right. the big plan is like the weird box assassin trial thing. Yeah. And which would go forward if Aval was there or not. And then that group is going to go kidnap Palpatine. So it doesn't matter that Evolve's in prison. Well, really? except that he's the guy who runs it. So may- I, I think you're right. Like I think you can push the buttons. I believe yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions we don't know, but I think either way that the, the point is kind of like, you know, how much damage is done because they go on this plan. And as, as Ricky said, like, could they have done it another way? Yeah. Like, uh, you probably because... could have just like kept Palpatine under closer watch and then been fine. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Obi-Wan is actually helps them escape. Like not just yeah. like goes along with them. He is integral to their escape. When at one point, like the, the codes to a door lock have been changed. So Cad Bane can't open it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's what I was meant from the beginning is like, because guards die after what obi-wan does there so if obi-wan doesn't act like clones clones die because of what obi-wan does and that's where i think the, the real moral grayness comes in of and and yoda at one point said like just doing this we're going down a dark path and i mm-hmm. it's not talked about much but i just think this is a great example of the jedi really becoming morally compromised yeah yeah i mean i, I don't disagree i guess like they're they think that getting to dooku and keeping the chancellor safe or like higher priorities but even then right like they've started to prioritize certain lives over others which i guess they've been doing the whole time right yeah yeah well i think i think that's the interesting question is i i don't know if they're wrong 
You know, I mm-hmm. I have said before that I think one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars is early in Rogue One when Cassian Andor realizes that he's traveling with someone who is injured who will probably slow him down and, you know, ruin their chance to stop the Death Star. So Andor just kills him. I mean, he flat out commits murder. It's a terrible thing. If he doesn't do it, I don't know if they ever blow up the Death Star. And, and to me, it is this kind of moment. Like, I think probably they're doing the right thing, but it's certainly very morally gray. You know, and I think that's, it's what the Jedi aren't supposed to do. And that's what I think is so interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you talked about them just pushing Anakin further into Palpatine's arms and like 100%. So this idea that, I mean, it's clear to Anakin that this is a morally gray thing for them to be doing. Right. And the fact that he's been left out of it as well, right? And even, like, there's a point near the end of the fourth episode, right before um, Palpatine leads him into the room with Dooku to, like, watch his two Sith babies battle it out. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like, oh, you are so clever to have come up with this plan, Anakin. And Anakin's <laughs> like, I, oh, I didn't come up with it. And like, well, I mean, you must have been integral to it because you're oh, such an so important good. dude. <laughs> it's just like, like... He knows how to twist the knife. He knows how to yeah. push Anakin's buttons, right? And there's another point where um, they're, they've sent people after the assassin who's uh, assassinated Obi-Wan, who isn't himself Obi-Wan, but at this point Palpatine doesn't know that or, like, quote-unquote doesn't know that. So uh, Mace and Yoda and Anakin uh, go in and they ask him to, you know, call off call off the hunt for Obi-Wan's killer. And Anakin's pissed about that because he doesn't think that they should do it, but he also doesn't know the plan. Um, And then, like, Mace and Yoda leave, and Palpatine's basically like, you should go after your friend, right? You should go after your friend's killer. You 100% should do this. Um, So, yeah, it's just like, uh. He at one point says the line, you cannot deny your feelings. They are what make you so special. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's like, I was reading something recently about sort of how people get radicalized online. And that's often the way it is. It's like, do you feel like no one listens to you? Do you feel, but don't, you are special. You are important. All your anger is, it does matter. And I was like, oh, Palpatine's radicalizing him so well. Oh, totally. And he's even saying like at the, when they bring him to Naboo, which is where the kidnapping is supposed to take place. He even, he says multiple times like, oh, I'm sure I'm fine with Skywalker as my bodyguard. Like, that's all I need. I only need him. Like, he's the best and the greatest. And he's mm-hmm. so special. And he's he's awesome and I love him. Yeah. He also lavishes praise upon the Jedi in general at the end mm-hmm. uh, for saving his life twice. Right. And so, like, he's playing them as well and both, you know, building them up. And probably also, you know, spreading the the good word to the citizens, like, oh, these Jedi, like, they're so great. Mm-hmm. Let's keep using them to do these things. <laughs> right. Which I think is important a couple of reasons. One is because it flatters the ego of people like Mace and Yoda and makes them not suspect him because he kind of knows they're idiots in that regard. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is I, I feel like him being so obsequious to the Jedi means that when he, we know obviously lying, but the people don't know this, says, like, oh my god, the Jedi betrayed me. How could they do this? It works. Mm-hmm. Because everybody knows he's the guy who loves the Jedi. Who, And if even this guy, who has been such a supporter of the Jedi, says that the Jedi have turned on us and the Jedi are traitors, like, of course people are going to believe it. You know, he's he's setting those things in motion so far in advance. Yeah, totally. And yeah. if like if you had just shown me this arc and said like, "Okay, Palpatine convinces Anakin to go to the dark side," do you buy it? Like, yeah, hundred percent, I buy it. And like, I never saw the Sith Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Sith, Return of the Revenge of the Sith, Revenge, <laughs> revenge of the Sith, Revenge. Ugh. Um, right? Like, it, I don't, I don't need the like your wife's dying dark side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I think Ricky alluded to that earlier. This is like a much more believable. Yeah. And, and I scenario. do think there's a lot of parts of that movie that are quite good, especially the the Palpatine Anakin scenes. But yeah, this is th- these scenes make it so much better. Uh, let's talk about Cad Bane, though, for a second, because I I had really missed him. And especially we've gotten a lot of Hondo last season. And I really love Hondo. And sometimes I forget how much I also love Cad Bane. 
I sort of feel like the two of them pair so well together because Cad Hondo is the criminal mastermind who's campy and fun and will always kind of tweak your nose as he pulls one over on you. He's like, yeah, he's like the the rogue with a heart of gold. Right. Whereas Cad Bane is just a flat out killer. And is and like I feel like in a uni- universe where you also know Hondo exists, it makes Cad Bane so much more sinister and so much more intimidating. And I I love it. I I'd forgotten just how much I enjoy his character as well. Yeah, Cad Bane, Cad Bane is great. Um, I think especially paired with Moralo Yuval, who just seems like so bumbling. <laughs> and so like he wants to get that brand recognition. So he like speaks in the third person every couple sentences to remind you that I, Moralo Yuval, invented the box. Cad Bane's like cool, reserved, very like old Western villain. And, like, he really is, yeah. Yeah, not, not just yeah. that, but there is also like, I don't know. I think this is the mark of what why i think that these are like such great episodes is there are there are beats where like when i watch it i say something out loud to the tv and then like a minute later they resolve that issue so after they escape cad cad bane like notices that the three of them are all in their bright orange prison uniforms and says like we gotta find some clothes that are less noticeable and i'm like cad bane you wear a giant hat (laughs) and like the next scene they go and Cad Bane buys a giant hat. Uh, <laughs> and I, like Obi Wan slash Hardeen is like, this is not less noticeable. He's just like, it's my look. Deal with it, <laughs> which is great. And then later on, when Ahsoka and Anakin catch up with them, like, is that them? And Ahsoka's like, yeah, yeah, I recognize Cad Bane's hat. I'm like, yes, thank you <laughs> for all of this. But yeah, I mean, it's just like he's he's sinister he's smart right because he's the one who's on to hardeen and has this plan of ditching him because yeah he he doesn't trust him at all nor should he yeah mm-hmm. it's just uh, he's he's cool he's cool with or without the hat and he has some cool battles mm-hmm. um yep in this in this series of episodes i mean he fights against uh hardeen he has a fight against ahsoka mm-hmm. and he holds his own he does yeah and Anakin as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you said about he feels like he's from an old time gangster movie because that's the way I feel. He, It's one of those like James Cagney or like Dick Tracy kind of things. There's at one point where he says to Obi-Wan, um, I, I think Obi-Wan says something kind of challenging him and he says, you know, oh, don't, don't mess with me, Hardeen, or I'll pump you full of laser bolts. And just, the delivery of it is so clearly like a straight rip-off from like a 1930s gangster movie where they just changed pump you full of lead to pump you full of laser bolts. But otherwise, it's the exact same like line and delivery. And I just loved that so much. Um, it's just, it just They're so clearly trying to be like, look, we're going to have that style. We're going to have that idea. We're just going to throw it in the middle of Star Wars and who cares? Yeah. Well, I mean, Star Wars has often been called... Like a, a, I, th- I said Western, not gangster movie, but I feel like same vibe, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and like Star Wars has been called a Western a lot. So having this like kind of old timey, shadowy big bad guy makes sense. And he also like he often has like a toothpick or something mm-hmm. to that effect yeah. in his mouth, like reminiscent of. Yeah, I don't, either like a cigarette or like a stalk of wheat. That's more like hillbilly than evil guy. But still, he just like he has a vibe. He has yeah. a vibe, he has a look. He's branded himself well. Yvonne needs to take notes. Well, so now here's my question, though, because in earlier scenes, we've seen him with what looks like two pipes kind of welded into the side of his face. Mm. And I always thought that was like, he's one of those aliens who, because this planet is not like the one where he evolved, he has like some sort of special breathing apparatus. But now we see him function totally normally without those. So are they just cosmetic? Do they like help him but he doesn't need them like what's going on there they just make his voice sound cool yeah i i, I <laughs> also always assume that they are necessary mm-hmm. but i guess not <laughs> well that's why partly i wondered if this was all prequel and maybe like mm. he gets injured in this mission and thus needs them later as well as gets the hat but no um but he does at one point have a hat and then kill someone else mostly because gets the other guy hat. has but like I could barely tell the difference between the two hats. Oh, it was like no, no, what? No, no. It was a much different hat. What okay. are you talking about? <laughs> they looked pretty similar to me, but that's fair enough. <laughs> it was like a wider I liked his first hat better, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But that's fair. um yeah, apparently so his cybernetics include removable breathing tubes, which like 
why are they removable? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, I speak like, but the the hats thing. There's also another fun little Easter egg when he's browsing for hats in the shop. They go to like ditch their clothes and get guns and stuff. Blasters. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, he for a moment considers Indiana Jones's fedora, and then like chooses his yeah smallish wide brimmed hat, and then yeah shoots like assassin's brother for a different hat which yeah. is just like <laughs> this man is all about hats and i'm a-okay with it he really is he really is he just yeah. is like I'm, I'm fine killing people they got a hat i like in in the post clone wars era i hope that he just opens a hat shop <laughs> <laughs> that's what i that's what i imagine happens to him. caps bane i like it i like it yeah. so Only what about morale or uh, morallo well, I, ju- I just want to put out a- evil. <laughs> Let's talk to him for a second. I want to put out a quick challenge, though, to our listeners. Oh. If you can name a movie where our characters go to prison and there isn't someone who challenges our characters in the lunchroom, in the cafeteria of the prison for seemingly no reason except to establish dominance, please let us know. Because just like that scene in the prison where people like challenge Obi-Wan slash Hardeen, it was just like, does someone just think like, any prison movie or any show where people go to prison, you have to have this scene because I just have seen that scene so many times by now. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I don't mind it because this this whole arc is like so tropey, but does so much to move move forward the plot and characterization in so much as like the Anakin Palpatine. Mm-hmm. That's definitely like, true. Yeah, that I like. I'm I'm totally fine with them just like smashing together and like going going into the trope bucket. That's and fair. pulling like prison heist movie, old western movie, like mm-hmm. kidnapping plot. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, it, totally. And that, well, and when Obi Wan stabs him in the hand with the fork, so mm-hmm. good. And also, like he says something sassy too, right? Proving again, there is never an inopportune moment for sass for Obi Wan Kenobi. True, true. All right, so uh, Ricky, you wanted to move on to Mister Ival. Yeah, this guy <laughs> is not. I don't know. Cad Bane is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yuval is just kind of there, and yeah. he like tries to be a part. He so his character is short, like he's much shorter than the others, and and I feel like that's intentional because he kind of gives off this like little brother vibe mm. of like, oh, you you're going on an adventure. Can I come too? And, and he keeps trying to insert himself and be more important than he is. And as mentioned, he talks in the third person. Right. But not consistently. Yeah, but enough. Just enough to, like, be like, this is my name, remember my name. Yeah. Just in that, like, how dare you threaten, you know, Eval. Threaten me, Morello Eval. Yeah. Yeah. As as if he is trying to, like, establish his reputation in the underworld Mm -hmm. by repeating his name, you know, like, Morello. (laughs) (laughs) You know who he kept reminding me of? I don't like when people challenge the boulder. Who dares challenge the boulder? <laughs> nice avatar reference. That's thank good. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just <laughs> he he is very like he's not very smart. Like he's instantly buddy buddy with Hardeen. He's the one who's convincing Cad Bane that they should bring Hardeen along because look how cool this guy is. He killed a Jedi. And, um, Just like. What? Yeah. Very. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Here's my thought. Since we know that Dooku is actually quite good at reading people and is quite, you know, in his own way, uh, duplicitous and and able of having sort of long-range planning, do you think maybe he intentionally picked kind of an idiot in an idea to sort of see, like, let the real leader come forward? Like, the best way to establish who's a good leader is the one who will step forward and challenge Aval because Aval's doing a shitty job— because of all is doing a bad job of it. Well, not not even chat. Like maybe he gets Eval intentionally captured to get Cad Bane out. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Or like even I hadn't just, even like, thought of it. Get him captured to get him out of the way because he's annoying, and he's already built the box. So why do we need him anymore? Yeah. No, no. I I think I think this was all set up to, to break Cad, Cad Bane out of prison because they make Cad Bane the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I. Uh, I think so, okay. I think that the original plan, like, rewinding a long ways, was, like, Sidious calls up Dooku and is like, hey, man, we got all these bounty hunters and they're kind of free agents and they're, like, 
we don't really know what they're going to do and they're messing with the plan. And we should have like a chit chat one on one. So why don't you kidnap me? But do it by making this like bonkers bounty hunter tournament where we'll kill like over half of them just to get a few out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like Evolve was like involved in that and they're like, he'll probably die at some point in that involved in that, right? If not, like the bounty hunters who survive will see that we've just murdered a bunch of bounty hunters ruthlessly. So yeah, <laughs> you know, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll respect you. And then they'll also buy this kidnapping plot. So like win-win. Yeah. But yeah, so- and it, I don't know. Evolve being bumbling just seems like it's nice because he's not probably not going to go off and do things on his own like without dooku or palpatine like he's easy he's easily manipulated i guess is what i'm trying to say right so let's talk about his big plan let's talk about the 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 box the box and this like episode of basically star wars does saw kind of or like not well, saw it's more like no, they're no, trying no, to do it's... these big challenges to see who will emerge did the whole thing feel kind of over underwhelming to you especially after all the build-up it it's so it's actually based on cube mm what's that which um it was a science fiction thriller from like i want to say early 2000s like probably, yeah probably like 99 2000ish um it it it's an excellent movie you should watch it and i i believe it predates saw mm-hmm. oh 97 wow that's really old yeah so definitely predates saw and it it was a very low budget film because everything takes place within the cube, which is just like this box. It's a cube with a bunch of cubicle rooms. Mm-hmm. So literally, they only had they only needed one set, and then oh, they nice. like, okay. dress it up with different traps based on which room they enter. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I would highly recommend Cube to anyone out there who likes science fiction. With a little bit of, you know, like, murderous horror inserted into it. <laughs> we have some so, so, yeah, like you said, like, Saw, like, it has a bunch of interesting traps to yeah. it. And I thought, like, I mean, visually, it was very interesting. The whole thing is about how, like, the floor keeps moving, and there's this fire trap, and there's this poison trap. I guess it seemed weird, because all it was really, it was a little bit testing mental acuity. It was mostly just testing physical dexterity. But I kept waiting for there to be points of like encouraging people to turn on each other or things like that. And there was very little of that. It, it was just sort of like, okay, who's who's able to survive? Yeah. I mean, they said at the beginning, only five of you are coming. And if all of you pass the test, we're just going to kill six of you. So like, the, I don't think it's necessary that a bunch of them died. I also don't think they designed the test for a Jedi. Right. Um, and at the very beginning, not even the very beginning, like the first three tests... Obi-Wan is just leading everybody else through it. And the whole time I'm like, Obi-Wan, you're giving yourself away. This is not how assassins act. They're not like, hey, everybody, I found the exit. Come on, guys, let's go. Teamwork. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting because I I actually thought, I thought you're right. He kind of was being a little overly moral. But there were a couple of times where I saw him do something where as a Jedi, he could have used like there's a scene where he has to like leap up to this set of boxes way up high. And as a Jedi, we know he could just leap there, but instead he has to, like, step ladder his way up all these other boxes. Yeah. And yeah. He had to Super Mario it up there. Right. And the impression I got is because he doesn't want to show off that he has the skills of a Jedi. So it's right. It's interesting if maybe he was trying to both not show that he has the skills of a Jedi, but he was still kind of showing he has the morality of a Jedi. Yeah. And I mean, like, even if he's not showing the physical... Yeah, because he's, he's very clearly, like, not using his Jedi powers, but mm-hmm. I think he's still using, like... He's very well trained as a Jedi and right. and has like we've seen I know it's it's not the same thing, but the clones have a very similar testing uh apparatus, kind of like this the box, where there's like things that pop out of the wall and they have to jump off of stuff. So I mean, I could see Obi-Wan being familiar with this general concept of video game esque levels mm-hmm. um but yeah even just like being a jedi i think he just has an advantage innately even if he's not using his like right backflip jumpy powers i just don't understand why do you ever walk into that box to begin with like cool. <laughs> the money <laughs> i what they're basically saying is if you walk into the box <clears throat> we're gonna do everything we can to try and kill you and if you survive what you win is the chance to go on a mission where if you succeed in the mission, like, 
all these people are top-level bounty hunters already. Do they really need this to get the work? Like, this is a very bad job market for bounty hunters if this is what you have to do to get a job, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a thing where they, they've probably selected people who are unlikely to back down from this challenge to begin with. And also, if you go like, oh, I could die, no thanks, then you now have the reputation of bounty hunter who wouldn't face the box. Right. Um. So I think it's like partly an ego thing to show off that you're just like a big bad bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, so you think, Matthew, that at least one of them should have just walked away in the meeting like, nah, I'm out? I... I feel like that. I was a bit surprised that all of them were so happy to sort of go along with it, you know. Um, and, you know, granted, he promises all these credits. It's just, especially because he he, he is so clearly establishes that all of these are the most, you know, talented, most well-known, most easily hireable bounty hunters in the whole galaxy. And so that's why I was sort of like, eh, this doesn't make much sense. But yeah. I, I spent maybe 10 seconds thinking about it. It's not like I was hung up on it by any means. I would have, I kind of, like, I would have liked to see one of them, like, turn around and leave and then just have, like, Evolve shoot them in the back and be like, okay, anybody else want to leave? Yeah, that could right? work. Like, because that way it's sort of like, oh, well, guess guess the only way to survive is to actually go through this thing. Leaving isn't actually an option. Um, But yeah. We already right. saw, like, one... So, originally, I guess it was supposed to be 12 bounty hunters, including a, like, brother duo. But, as you mentioned, Cad Bane shoots one of the brothers right off the bat for his hat. Uh, so, then, we're, we're down to 11. But if... Well, yeah. I guess the, pla- the plan is only five go through. So, that's over 50% are just gonna not make it. Like, those are not good <laughs> odds. Yeah. I would not bet on that. <laughs> for sure. Now, I will say the only other inconsistency that I, I noticed, and I, I'm really glad we've mostly focused on the positive. For this time, it's me saying, like, okay, but these one little details. <laughs> um, Obi-Wan's character throughout the, the Clone Wars, compared to who he is in the original movies, I do feel like there's a lot of things that are just not very consistent. And, and you know, his relationship with R2, for example, or how he feels about being a pilot. But also, it does seem like he's very negative on blasters. And in the third movie... You know, he uses a blaster to kill Grievous, but he you, you know, calls it so uncivilized. He hates blasters. He's not a blaster guy. So the fact that he's so skilled with a sniper rifle threw me a little bit. It's like, but you don't like blasters. How did you... I guess you're a Jedi, so maybe you're just preternaturally good with all weapons. But it it seemed like that was definitely a little bit of a, like, that, that's not who Obi-Wan is. Yeah. I don't even know, like, I thought his being good with less like being good with the sniper rifle and more being good with the predicting where the little light targety thing is going to end up because it's not just like a straight like static target that he's shooting at the challenge mm-hmm. is that the targets zips up and around and you don't know what path it's going to take and obi-wan's very good at it because i don't know does he have like some sort of pseudo precognition or at least like pattern recognition where he knows exactly where this target's going to be but yeah, no, it's it's a little weird. Maybe he's just that good an actor. He's just in character. <laughs> That's fair. We do also get a couple of great little cameos. We get reminded that Boba Fett is in prison, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not a big scene. He's just it's just like a little bit of a, a prison fight. But it's nice just to to me. It kind of make this world feel a little bit more filled out to get to see him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Bosk. And Bosk is mm-hmm. in prison as well, which makes sense. He's there with Boba. Right. We also get my favorite cameo. Yep. Size Noodles. Size Noodles. We hear her sing- her complaining and singing just a little bit. Yeah, it's great. I, I think, did Sai. she even appear on screen or just hear her voice off screen? We hear her voice and she's like walking out of an establishment, but she's flanked by two other creatures. So we don't actually see her. But yeah, we, we just hear her voice. Right. But it's such a recognizable voice. It's like, oh, Slice Noodles. I'd recognize that <laughs> voice anyway. Mm. For sure. For sure. My favorite cameo was Satine. Mm, that was good, too. Yeah. Oh, I missed right. that one. When did we see her? At Obi-Wan's funeral. Yes. Okay. She was the one who's crying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And she's sense. she's in the credits, too. The actress is in the credits. So they, <laughs> they brought her in to, to <laughs> solve. To like, she has no actual lines. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, I really like that. Wow, I wonder how Satine is gonna feel when she find out finds out that 
Obi-Wan's alive and he just faked his death. Yeah, that's that's going to be a fun confrontation. I look forward to seeing how that happens. Right? Did they need her to be emotional and sell it? I mean, Maybe they just tell her. They probably just tell her so that she's there and like it's part of it. They're obviously right. not going to let Satine in on the plan because that's just <laughs> letting too many people Republic. in. She yeah, yeah. There's no way they'd be like, mm, P.S. Um, but yeah, having her there was like a nice, a nice little throwback and like a nice little reminder that like Obi Wan has attachments too. You know, yeah, like really does. it's not just Anakin. Um, one other last thing I wanted to mention, and then if you guys have any last things, then we can wrap up. Just one little throwaway line, but as Anakin is talking about how he'll always protect the Chancellor, he says, mm. as long as I live, no harm will come to you, Chancellor. <laughs> yeah. And that was just oh. such a beautiful little foreshadowing of, you know, of course, how we learn later that there's two lives, you know, kind of end together with any resurrection being ignored. Um, uh, so I just thought that was a, just, that one line was just a beautiful little foreshadowing. Gosh, yeah, I was like, yeah, because yeah. he throws him over the edge and kills him, but I guess he doesn't <laughs> actually kill him. Oh, I forgot about No, he that. kills him. Palpatine then, but... died. We won't discuss anything else. Okay, cool. Delightful. <laughs> and... Didn't have any grandkids. Yeah. What, is, what is it about that line or that delivery that, that makes it better than what we got in Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan tells Anakin, someday you'll be the death of me? Right, because that was the same kind of line, but mm. I groaned at that yeah whereas this one i think we both like tackled it was good yeah i think it's in clone wars it just feels more earned it just feels like they're doing more to to land it and Mm -hmm. you know in the same way they just like the romantic scenes between anakin and padme like sometimes they're eye-rolly in the in the show but sometimes they're really good and i feel like they've just there's so much in the prequel movies that it's impossible to take seriously that when it does ask you to take it seriously it's hard. And, and granted, like I said, I like quite a lot of that third movie. I think the the scenes of Palpatine seducing Anakin to the dark side are quite well done, except for the very last one. But yeah, that one line was just a little like, eh, okay. <laughs> so just, again, very little recognition, rec- recollection of the prequels. But just hearing you say that, like, someday you'll be the death of me. Like, I picture Clone Wars Obi-Wan saying this to Anakin. And like, I don't groan. I'm like, that feels like a thing that sassy... Obi-Wan is just gonna say right so it's probably it probably has a lot to do with like context as well right like I I, I, mean, I, I think part of it's that like Hayden Christensen is such a and mm-hmm. some people are now saying that Hayden Christensen's a good actor who is just badly directed and maybe that's mm-hmm. possible you know we're gonna get to see him again so we'll see but I I think part of it is Hayden Christensen his acting is so very bad in those movies I especially when he's against Obi-Wan or Padme, that it makes anything else that happens hard to take seriously. That's fair. I mean, but, yeah, I I kind of buy the directing thing or the writing, maybe, especially in Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. because I thought that the ending duel in Revenge of the Sith between Obi-Wan and Anakin was well acted. And, and mm-hmm. I think that is one of the, the better emotional cruxes of the prequel trilogy. Especially when they had that showdown, like some of those lines are so ridiculous that you just love to yell them out ironically, you know, yeah. but I, I think the actors portray them well. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I think the scene between, especially like the scene at the opera and, and then the scene in the hallways at the chancellor's office where Palpatine is slowly kind of lifting the veil of showing Anakin that he is a Sith Lord. I think the writing is very good. The directing is pretty good. The acting of um palpatine is fantastic and the acting of hayden christensen is, is decent compared to everything else he does so there's certainly some possibilities there but we're not we're not wandering pretty far off the topic so any other last comments on this, on this uh set of episodes we had yeah ahsoka like this mm. i mentioned earlier like she has a brief fight with cad bane and i and i if you watch it like i think she's just growing up yeah she's holding her own in some of these battles and she she acted very heroically, I think, in, um, like, Anakin gets knocked out, and she well, comes to his rescue, right? Is that what happened? Yeah, so Anakin is attacking Hardeen, who's actually Obi-Wan, uh, and then Obi-Wan gets Anakin, like, in a chokehold, and whispers, like, it's me, don't kill me, please. Right. And then actually has to, like, choke him unconscious. So that Cad Bane, who's like jumps in, buys it. 
And then, yeah, Ahsoka comes and fights off Hardeen, has a, like, fights off with, fights with, uh, Cad Bane. And yeah, stands there with both her, like, lightsabers out over, um, Anakin's body, like, ready to take on both of them. And Cad Bane's just like, well, little lady, we gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so, so yeah. good at being so condescending. I know. I think if you're coming into this show, you know, after watching The Mandalorian and seeing Ahsoka and wanting to know more, like, this this is, like, where we really start to get Ahsoka. Like, Ahsoka yeah. Tano growing up from Padawan to, you know, future not-quite-Jedi. Yeah. yeah. And there are, like, quite a few moments, again, similar to the ones we had in the last episodes, where she can tell something's not quite right with Anakin, and oh, then yeah, Anakin's, yeah. like, drifting over to the dark side. Um, they end up, they go to a bar to try and get information about Hardeen, and Anakin just, like, screws people up. Um, and she's very like, master, whoa, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> yeah, even though like, she's also very upset that Obi-Wan is, has been killed and also wants yeah. to make sure that the person who's killed him yeah. gets just, justice. Just bribe them, Anakin. Yeah. Like, put it on the <laughs> Republic's tab. Like, that's how these planets work. Yeah. That's the way to do it. That's, way to that's do not it. how Anakin works, though. Yeah. And, and I'll also say one more arc where the phrase Roger Roger was never uttered once. Um, I don't even think we saw a battle droid, did we? We didn't. No, no I, we I, see I, we see the. Um, so I, I looked it up. Their IG one hundred models. Mm. The they're called uh, magna droids. The ones that have the electro electric staffs. Mm-hmm. So Dooku is walking around with a couple of them. Right. Yeah, we see end. droids, but we, the the the. I think when I say battle droid, I specifically mm. mean the one with like the ridiculous snout looking thing, and they say mm. Roger Rot. Like we're just not seeing those anymore, and I'm. I think it's such a better show because of it. Yeah, it's way less childish, I guess. Yeah, it's less pratfall. It's the mm-hmm. things matter. So, yeah. All right. I, I, so, can we also just talk about the <laughs> ending duel between <gasps> Anakin and Dooku? So good. Because so we good. we've seen them duel a couple times, and Dooku has always just like had the ridiculous upper hand, um, and, and his fighting style like reinforces this because he has like this one armed, you know dueling saber um but this time like anakin uh tapping into the emotion and you know palpatine's the background like doing the finger thing like yes yes good good and anakin pushes back far enough you know pushes dooku enough that like you can start to see that the scales are tipping Mm -hmm. uh, in his favor and he'll eventually win win, right yeah oh and palpatine loves that battle (laughs) like you can just you can practically like see him grinning. Just, he does like, grin. He does grin, but like he, it f- almost feels like he he should be like grabbing his popcorn. Oh, he's and, so close, right? Like he he is loving it, and it's probably good that Anakin is not paying attention because otherwise he'd be like, "Why are you so into this, dude?" There's he's one moment like, where one of those droids kind of grabs Palpatine, and his reaction is perfect because it's not like, "Oh no, I'm under attack." It's just sort of like you know. You're blocking my way to my seat at the theater. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, what are you doing? I'm... Sit down. This is a show for me. Yeah, sit down in front. This is the best part. Yeah. So good. So good. So anyway, um, fans, what do you think? Um, for those who've seen this, these before or just watching them now for the first time, where, where's this, where's these stories taking you? We'd love to hear it. You can find us by looking up Star Wars Universe Podcast. Um, all the links are if you go to ethicalpanda.com. You can find all the information about that and my other podcasts. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook. Great ways to continue the conversation. You can also find this podcast and all the others that I and other great fans are part of on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Uh, but you're going to strandedpanda.com. Lots of great stuff there as well, as well as in our Facebook group. Please write in. Let us know what you think. We love the feedback. Riki, Sarah, thank you all so much for being a part of this. And have a great day. <laughs>